0: Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. I'm here with Ricardo Sales. Now, Minister of the Environment in Brazil has been pretty much the most exciting job over the last week, I would say, on the planet. And um, I'm very, very pleased that he's had the chance to be able to speak with us. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure.
0: I guess uh, my first question is a question that the rest of the world has. Why are you killing the planet voluntarily for no good reason? Whatsoever. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, um, you know the story that, that's been out there that uh, for some reason, uh, uh, Brazil has just decided to to destroy the complete Amazon from end to end. And uh, that's, I guess, what your government stands accused of. And how's how's that been for you? And what is your response?
1: No, first of all, it's not true. Amazon forest is 84%, 84% preserved, which means that uh, for 500 years that Brazil has been Discovered by the Portuguese, only 16% of the forest was used by the human presence. So, which means that the, there's no risk whatsoever uh, involving the Amazon forest. This is for the past 500 years, 84% preserved. Okay. Now, let, I'm it, sorry
0: to interrupt you, but but just because that's so shocking to people, that I I really really want people to understand that. So, 500 years since Europeans first came, of course, to The Amazon, and um, was it sixteen percent only has ever been used for human use?
1: Exactly, we still have eighty-four percent of the forest entirely preserved. Okay. After five hundred years.
0: Well, and of course, it's not like Brazil doesn't care about the rainforest. I mean, it is a, 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 a human treasure, a national treasure, an international treasure, and a huge tourist attraction, of course, and you take it very seriously, the responsibility for the portion of the Amazon that you guys have control over.
1: Exactly. We do have the absolutely, we are completely conscious about the fact that Amazon, our part of the forest, Amazon forest, belongs to Brazil. It's our responsibility to care about the forest. And we're continuing to have the huge effort about taking care of the forest. Uh, what we have noticed is that for the past 20 years, Previous government simply disregard the fact that we have more than 20 million people living inside the Amazon region and these people were simply and completely disregarded they have not been supported by public policies they have the richest part in terms of natural resources in the country but in the other hand is the worst uh, human uh, level of development, the entire country. So it's a, a, a contradiction that we have. The most, the richest part of the country in terms of natural resources live the poorest part of the people and of the entire 200 million Brazilians.
0: Right. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine that I'm some evil mustachio-twirling capitalist and I say, I want to buy up half the Amazon or a quarter or a third or 10% or 5% of what I'm going to buy a big portion of the Amazon. And I just want to pillage it. I just want to strip mine it. I want to cart off all of the trees. What kind of barriers am I going to face in Brazil for trying to do such a thing?
1: First of all, it's completely illegal due to the many different pieces of legislation, but especially uh, to the one which is called the Brazilian Forest Code. is the most restricted piece of legislation in the entire world. No one has, uh, no country has the slightest Piece of legislation as we have, especially on the Amazon, 80%, 80 percent, 8-0, 8 percent of an, all of the properties in Amazon cannot be touched. It's it's being called the legal reserved to, due to the Forest uh, National Code. So it's the very restricted uh, legislation. However, it's a five million square kilometers areas, so uh, area, the entire area. So it's very hard to monitor, to make the enforcement of the law. We do have a strong infrastructure, very expensive infrastructure, and we do enforce the law strongly. But we are surrounded by different countries who have their internal problems, as you know. Uh, We are a very huge uh, territory with 20 million people. So, uh, but even though Amazon, as I mentioned, it's preserved by 84%. So it's not simply not true that this government or even before, uh, but especially this one, we are not putting danger the Amazon. It's not correct. We are not supporting any sort of uh, illegal activities. We are not allowing any sort of illegal activities. But we are facing the fact that it's a huge territory. It's very complicated to make the monitoring uh, and the enforcement of the law. And we do need to have uh, uh, some of our uh, financial support from outside. That exactly was promised to developing countries, as we mentioned, during the Paris Agreement, for instance, was promised more than $100 billion for the developed countries. It nothing has come so, well, so far.
0: Right. Now, of course, yeah, because people, I think, They think of the Amazon as Brazilian, but you guys just have a portion of it. And of course, there are other countries around, as you point out, with their own political difficulties that are also responsible. But the focus seems to be particularly on the Amazon uh, in in Brazil. And of course, you've seen the numbers and they were sort of burned into your brain, I'm sure, by the mainstream media as a whole, that 80% increase in the destruction, the burning and so on. I wonder if you can explain to people how these numbers came about and, and how they match up to historical trends.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, concerning the fires, this is the fire season. So every year, every year, this part of the country and the, other, the neighbors as well, Bolivia, for instance, is burning. The fire is much bigger than in Brazil, and nobody makes any comments about it. But the fact is that uh, it, during this period of the year, every season, we have the fire problems, especially on years that uh, the weather is hotter and it's drier. Exactly as we are facing now, 2019. Last year, 2018 or, le- or 2017, both of the years were very humid with a lot of rain. So that's the reason why the percentage between last year and this one has changed so high, so dramatically changed. Because the base that were the, the number was uh, uh, calculated last year, 2018, was really low due to the fact that we had the humid, rain, and the different type of, uh, quite completely different that we are facing now in, in the Amazon region.
0: Right. And I think people have this idea that government officials or or sort of private capitalists are, are out there among the macaws and the rainforest and the and the parrots with flamethrowers just setting fire to everything. But as far as I understand, it, correct me where I go astray, but it is mostly being done on land that has already been claimed for cattle grazing and farmland.
1: Exactly. The, these areas that we, we are facing problems in both the florestation and also uh, with the fires' uh, uh, origins are areas that we need to have a legal standards, as we call the uh, regulation of the, the properties and the, all of the documentation. Once you don't have the stability of a, a, a proper an appropriate uh, uh, legal base, you do have a more broad uh, field for illegal activities. So it's something very, it's it's almost uh, 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 obvious that we need to find out a way to solve the problems of legal registration and uh, of those areas. If we don't do that, as the socialist governments didn't do for the past 20 years, they simply disregard those issues like the the, the legal standards and the, the private property rights and things like that. They, it was an invitation for the illegal activities. That's why they are uh, increasing for the past seven years. So we need to face the, the, the problem in a historical uh, uh, scenario. It's not a 2019 problem, but it's a problem that's been increasing since 2012. So the, the reasons why we are facing these problems are basically connected to the fact that we don't have private property rights. We don't have an appropriate legal basis for the area. We don't have a development and a plan, an appropriate development plan, which would be a sustainable development, respecting the fact that the forest must be kept. But in the same time, people need to have an economic uh, uh, activity in order to provide their own uh, means.
0: Right. Well, those are big challenges. Now, one of the things that I heard just kind of in parsing and and hopefully you can help bring it To people's attention. So one of the things that Bolsonaro was talking about was that he had some concerns that some of the fires may be set uh, deliberately, they may be set not for the purpose of clearing land for cattle grazing or other agricultural purposes, but as an act of sabotage, even perhaps against government or against budget cuts. Have you heard anything about that stuff?
1: Yeah, we heard about that. And that's the reason why the president mentioned this possibility. And, and do, ex- specifically, due to this uh, uh, possibility, he has determined to the federal police to begin an, a criminal procedure to investigate who are those involved and responsible for eventually having uh, any criminal activity. And we don't, we are not concerned about who who they are in the terms that no matter if they are uh, uh, farmers, criminals or any sort of people, if they are responsible for those crimes, if it really happen, they must be uh, uh, punished under the law, under the the legal system.
0: Right. Now, what's it been like for you? I mean, I, I myself have had the occasional whirlpool of media attention where things just seem to get kind of crazy and stories just seem to feed on each other. I don't think I've ever faced anything like the kind of focus and attention that that yourself and Bolsonaro were facing from the worldwide press being basically (laughs) almost tried in absentia for crimes against the environment. So when did you first become aware that this kind of story was floating around and and how did it play out for you? Uh,
1: First, it began when we simply cut off the financing for NGOs who were living for 20 years by spreading out these problems, and some of them are serious, some of them have important uh, job, important things to, were done in the past, but there's a huge number of them that have been fundraised uh, money, including the governmental uh, funds, uh, to do things that are not connected to the efficiency, have not resulted in the reduction of the deforestation. I mean, simply, it's a narrative that they use to collect funds. And we simply cut off those public funds. We're not against they can raise money from from private people in the private sector, but they're not going to collect any more funds from the government. So uh, this campaign began when we cut off those funds. It really began at that time. So Uh, do you think that they
0: uh, no, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well,
0: do you think that they used contacts in the media in an attempt to drum up a kind of hysteria with the goal of getting said funding restored?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a circle. It's a circle. It seems like a circle uh, relationship. Some of them are connected to the academia. Some of them are connected to the media. Some of them are connected to the former for foreign uh, NGO as well. And there is an entire campaign, first of all, because they don't like Bolsonaro. It's a right-wing conservative government. And since they are left-wing socialist people, some of them, uh, they are against Bolsonaro, no matter what we do. So uh, in in addition of that, they are really doing, they're using their contacts worldwide to pressure the government due to the fact that we cut off the funds, due to the fact that we're not giving uh, uh, their, uh, the, the same space that they had before uh, in terms of public policy or uh, public opinions and so on. Brazilian society have recognized that some of those uh, people have used, simply used the flag of the environment for their own benefit mm. to raise funds, to pay their own salaries, to pay the payroll of the NGOs, to, to fund actually uh, uh, some campaigns that have no... Uh, 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 results whatsoever. Well, I I think
0: this is fascinating in particular because, you know, every voter in, in just about every country recognizes that there's a huge problem with deficits, there's a huge problem with accumulated national debts, not to mention unfunded liabilities. And all of the taxpayers sit there and say, well, gee, why don't you just cut government spending, right? So here, to me, is a very, very powerful example of just how difficult it can be to cut government spending because Bolsonaro and I guess yourself have some hand in cutting some government spending towards these NGOs. And next thing you know, you have every half corrupt reporter on the planet accusing you of destroying the environment and threatening the survival of the human race or whatever it is. Like that's quite a blowback for some budget cuts. And I think it helps explain to people why it's so damn difficult to cut government spending
1: exactly if if first and if we reestablish the sponsoring of some of those initiatives this sunday campaign would finish instantly mm-hmm. in the in the in, in, in the moment so it's first it's it's it is a financial problems in terms of the reason why they're shouting so much uh in addition the public spending it also includes the uh inefficient policies that have been uh, implemented through a very huge budget by these NGO groups. We're not saying that there are no good initiatives. There are some of them that are, that are good. They have been uh, the, delivered some important results in different fields. But there is also a huge number of them that it's simply an excuse to take money from government. And uh, if we don't look into these details and have an, uh, an appropriate analysis, we're going to be classifying some of them as uh, as, as an appropriate uh, public policy, and it's not. So we need to have the right to criticize, to analyze, and sometimes to simply cut off those public spendings uh, in policies that are not succeeding, are not delivering results, are not being efficient enough. All
0: right. Now, when the news began to break about what the mainstream media was talking about with regards to you know choking off the lungs of the world and all this kind of stuff, were you surprised at how quickly the story spread? Were you asked for comments? Did you have any chance to kind of manage the hysteria that was building? Or how did that play out?
1: Well, some, some of the media, uh, uh, the press, some of the uh, uh, journalists have contacted us. And we have provided a lot of information and some of them were disclosed, but most of them were simply disregarded. Uh, Some of them was added uh, in order to cut some of the words or statements out of the contest and and being supported to the story that's not correct. It happens uh, in many different press uh, 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 offices all over the place. And we do recognize that it, it was on purpose. It's not a, a lack of an appropriate coverage, but it's a, a, a preordinate uh, uh, strategy in order to avoid uh, the arguments, the appropriate and reasonable arguments concerning uh, the forest and the Amazon and the, the whole context that which is involved in this case. Well,
0: and, and of course, I think this is another example of just how when you look at the mainstream media, you know, anyone who's to the right of Chairman Mao is, you know, automatically someone to be taken out, to be undermined, to be often lied about, to be quoted out of context, to be, be just attacked. And this is a, I mean, you see this, of course, with Trump. I, when, you, when I was younger, I saw it with, uh, with Margaret Thatcher. You, you can see it with a wide variety of people who are not on the left, that it really is this monolithic wall of attack with very little grounding in reality. And that, of course, is another huge reason why it's very tough to tame government, because you're not just facing the people who don't like their budgets cut, but you're facing all of their allies in the media who can make your life, well, qu- quite exciting for, for a while.
1: Yeah, actually, it's not exciting, it's an interesting word. But the fact that they are all together, these people, hey, they have connections they have connections in the academia, as I mentioned. They have connections in some of, of the media, uh, and they and they have this NGOs, uh, uh, this net of NGOs worldwide. Especially in some specific areas in Europe, where this socialist uh, uh, mentality continues to to provide the the substance, the, the the support that they need to continue with this campaign, which is absolutely not true. If they look into the Brazilian uh, uh, behavior in terms of the environment, we, we are very proud to say that Brazil is very sustainable. Our agriculture is sustainable. This, the forest is maintained. And as I mentioned, 84% is a huge percentage. If you look into the European forest, they have been devastated after, uh, time after time. And we continue to have ours by 84% after 500 years, 500 years of occupation. And we continue to have a lot of uh, good practices on that. It's not correct that things are not being done. It, it's really complicated to show that if people don't want to see or if they want to spread, they don't want to spread out the information that we give them as, a, as an explanation.
0: Right. No. And, and and once you've been through one of these media maelstroms, uh, you kind of come out of it a bit of a wiser and slightly more hardened person. Maybe this is not your first, but, you know, it gets a lot easier as you go forward. So, listen, I really, really appreciate your time. We will get this out to a lot, a lot of people. And I'm just wondering, and, and feel free to take as much time as you want, what is the basic message that you would like to get across? We've touched on it, of course, here and there, sustainability and the the massive preservation of the of the Amazon but if you had a sort of megaphone to the world, which is this to some degree in a nutshell, what is it that you would like to say in particular against the narrative that has been coming out of the mainstream media over the last week or two? Uh,
1: first, we do have the, we are aware that we need to, to, to conserve, to preserve the Amazon. We are doing that. We want to bring the, the uh, capitalist involvement on that in terms that need provide, and develop the private uh, uh, initiatives over there. If you don't bring the economic development to the region, it com- becomes very complicated to keep it as it is. We need. Well, to sorry, give... if,
0: if people don't have an economy that is legal, they'll just go to poaching and they'll just, you know, do do steal things, and it doesn't actually solve any; it. It makes things worse.
1: Exactly. We, you are pushing those people to the illegal activities since we don't provide them the opportunity to work properly. If they, don't have, if they don't have the opportunity to develop by themselves, to live by their own, to have their own income, they are going to go to the illegal activities anyway, as it's happening in the surrounding countries. When you see the, the production of drugs, cocaine, and so on, in, in the different territories, you, why, why, what is the explanation of that? that? We also have this mining illegal activities. They go to the mining illegal activities because they don't have an option. So we need to bring the development. To bioeconomy, this bioeconomy, for instance, is a huge opportunity to capitalist investment, to go after the profit, to have people uh, get involved, being, uh, uh, have this, this prosperity uh, touching the people, these 20 million people who live in the Amazon. So we cannot pretend that they are not there. It's, it's the region of Amazon. It's not an inhibited place. There is a 20 million people living over there. So we need to do something in order to bring these people to the formal economy, to the appropriate way, uh, appropriate way of living and have their own income. This is, this is something that the world can happen instead of doing this campaign against Brazil, which is not fair, it's not correct. It doesn't reflect the concern and the appropriate behavior that we have in terms of uh, preserving the, the environment.
0: You did mention something that I just wanted to touch on before we close, which was the lack of property rights. So, of course, as you know, there's a, a good number of economic theories that say it's very, very hard to maintain the value of something unless someone has invested in it, unless it's privately owned. I wonder if you can touch a little bit on some of the challenges that you face preserving the Amazon when private property rights can be challenging there.
1: Exactly. Amazon, first of all, is huge people need to understand that we're talking a huge portion of the territory. It's very huge. Uh, Private areas are sometimes 10,000 acres, 20,000 acres, 50,000 acres, each one. So if they don't have the the sense of uh, being the owner of those areas, to take care of those areas and also being responsible for those areas, we are not going to give uh, the appropriate path to the development and the respect and the and the respect the forest and the environment, so it's it's critical to have this property rights uh, based going after the the legislation and appropriate base of res- registration those properties and make these people uh, being responsible for the conservation of their own property, and then they follow the forestry code, they follow, they comply with the rules. It's it's simple to understand. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a it's a system that has been proved all over the world why it would be different in the amazon area that's the main question
0: and uh, i guess just to close off is there anything that you would like to say to the reporters who, who seem to have run a little amuck with this story
1: well i would like to be be more fair with the coverage coverage are not being fair they are not uh, describing the facts, and some of them not, maybe not uh, all of them, but some of them—know uh, exactly that they are doing uh, uh, not a good uh, job. To their uh, 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 people who are paying attention to their interviews or the, the reports, and it's not correct.
0: All right. Well, listen, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I I know you're massively busy at the moment. Really appreciate you taking the time to set the record straight. We'll put links to all of this information below. Uh, Stay in touch if there's anything else that you want to bring to the attention of the world, and and thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank thank you very much, Molly. I want to show you where we are right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, the Amazon River. You see nothing over here. (laughs) The boats are over there. The the uh, tourist boats and so on. We are exactly in the middle of the Amazon, the city of Manaus right now. Yep, so and, and look, much there's much there's no
0: me. flickering fires on the horizon. Uh, there's no dying no plants. Fire, there's no, no McCords flying to flee the forest fires. It's it's all quiet. It's all nice. And it's all very well taken care of. So uh, thanks again, my friend. It was a great pleasure to chat. Thank
1: share. you very much, Martin. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.